Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supertop Podcast. I'm Podrick, recording from Vancouver. And I'm Oshin, recording from Sarajevo, which I just realized is actually the city where I was uh, when we released Castro 2 and the first ever episode of this podcast. Nice. So should this be the last episode? Well, I mean, I'm sure some people thought that the last episode had already happened. I don't really feel like shutting it down right now, but um, yeah, we've been <laughs> gone for a little while. Uh, but here we are again. Yeah, let's let's come back at the end to how the podcast should go in the future. It's not ending. I don't, don't know why I said that. But, <laughs> yeah, but also um, let's not spend the first five minutes of the podcast talking about why we haven't podcasted in two months. Uh, if you really want to listen and you're still here at the end, uh, we'll get back into some of that stuff. But for now, I guess maybe let's move on with the first topic. I wanted to talk about the tension between getting more people to use Castro versus trying to get them to pay. For the transition between Castro 2 and 3, we were focused on just changing the business model into the subscription one, which you've talked about plenty, from a paid upfront model. And the the main goal in our head with that was to just get through the transition with no drama and make sure that it was all working properly. We knew that the pitch that we were offering for Castro Plus wasn't going to be an optimal one that was the had the perfect conversion rate and made everyone want to pay, but we just had to get into that model first of all. But now that it's settled down and we've we've actually passed our first three-month renewal period and everything's going well, now we can start working on how to improve that whole flow. And as we started talking about that last week, we realized that there's a bit of a tension between getting more people to install Castro and use the free version versus getting them to actually subscribe. For example, if we just decided, let's get as many free users as we can, then we could just give every single feature that's in Castro Plus to everyone. And that that makes that a bit more appealing. Where if we were solely trying to get paid, then we could limit even more things or push the Castro Plus subscription even more often in the app. So yeah, what do you think about all that stuff, Ashin? <laughs> Well, I mean, I remember like during the planning stage for Castro 2 and when we were like coming up with what exactly it was going to, what features we were going to lock behind us. I mean, this was obviously like a big thing that we talked about at the time. But as you said, it was more that we needed to get the infrastructure in place. And I think it was also that it was so unknown. I mean, I didn't really have like a very strong sense of, okay, once the app goes from paid to free on the store, like how many downloads can we expect to get a day? And like, what are our user numbers going to be like once there is no longer the upfront payment standing in the way of somebody downloading it from the store? There was kind of detention there as well in terms of a feeling of like, oh, well, like any new feature that we are adding to Castro 3 at all, like nearly any new feature, if possible, should be behind the paywall. Because we also had it in mind that like we wanted users who were already using Castro 2 to consider upgrading to Castro 3. And I think some of that as well came out of even like some of the feature set of what's there as Castro Plus now even came from like discussions that we had and plans that we had like from before we even discussed uh, subscription. It was when we, I mean, um, at one point we talked about like Castro 3 was still just going to be like a one-off payment but it was going to be that like you could download it for free and then pay to unlock extra features. We wanted to offer those features at a discount to Castro 2 users. So it was going to be like, okay, everything that's new in Castro 3 is locked behind this in-app purchase. Users who download the app for free will pay the full price for these features and Castro 2 users will pay a discounted price um, as kind of a way to hack upgrade pricing onto the app store since there wasn't a way to do that. 
And I feel like as we transitioned to subscription, we kind of didn't really focus so much on, okay, like changing exactly what the proposition was. We kind of stuck with, okay, the features that were initially going to be behind that in our purchase are going to be subscription now. And I think a lot of it came out of, as like as I said, like just about like things being unknown and not knowing what was going to happen. Um, but over like the last while, as we've started planning new features and trying to discuss like ways that we think the app should go, I mean, this is a thing that keeps coming up, I think, in our discussions. Not just, I mean, in one way, it is about optimizing what's there already, but then it's also like, okay, how do we make decisions about what features we want to work on? Are we going to work on a feature that we think it's going to be available for free to everybody and that we think this is the thing that we want people to hear about and like loads of people just download the app and use it for free just for this feature? Or is it that, okay, we already have X amount of of free users and we need to release features that are going to tempt them more into deciding to become subscribers? I mean, there's a huge amount of overlap in all these things, but I mean, that's some of the avenues of thought, I think, that have like been going on and going back and forth in uh, in various twist threads that we have going here. So what do you think is wrong, say, with Castro for free users at the moment? I mean, I guess in, just in terms of like what the quality of their experience is with the app is that, I mean, they don't get to experience lots of the like the cool new stuff that we built for Castro 3. I'm not saying that like necessarily they should or that like we definitely want to give everything away for free. But just in terms of what an individual free user's experience is, I mean, they don't get to use trim silence. They don't get to use um, enhanced voices. They don't have night mode. If they get really in-depth with the app, that there's a bunch of different paths that they go down where there's a kind of a, a roadblock put up and said to them, hey, no, look, you need to subscribe to do this. And because there's like so many different avenues where that can be presented from, and I mean as well, potentially because of the way that we do present that information to them, like the design even say of our, you have to subscribe screen. I feel like that it, we're not doing a great job of convincing them why it might be good to like no longer be a free user and to actually subscribe like that it just might end up becoming like an annoyance that like every once in a while they find something that they want to do this screen pops up with a load of text on it that they don't want to read because they're just trying to listen to some podcasts right now and that just their experience of the app is kind of hampered at multiple different avenues along the way in terms of i want to do this oh no i can't Oh, I'm not going to read that. Get me out of here. Get me back to my podcasts. Yeah. I think also in the, like, okay, so that's in the context of features that we've uh, paywalled from them. But there are probably, this is maybe a big topic, but there are probably other things that Castro is not great at for the, like, the first time you use it, for getting used to the new triage flow and uh, understanding what's good about the app. And so I guess getting the basics and being totally comfortable and familiar there before you even think about upgrading to have these extra features. I think we probably lose people along the way there too, where like the app, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how, how exactly to make it simpler yet, but I still feel like there are things about getting from installing the app to like being a happy Castro user. I often hear from people who I know personally who try the app, who they use it for a few days, don't really know what's going on. And then within a week or two, it either they've stopped using it or they've clicked like something suddenly made sense and now they love it and they they're trying to recommend it to everyone else and they can't understand why everyone isn't using it mm. and yeah it would be 
I think it'd be really good to start to understand those things. Like, what is this? Or what can we do to bring people more into that triage workflow without, yeah, without scaring them off? There's a balance between showing them, offering a new, genuinely new feature and a new way to work with podcasts versus like what's familiar to them. And if we just made what's familiar, then it would be basically Apple Podcasts or Castro One from years and years ago. But then why would they use that? Because it's just the exact same as whatever else is out there. So yeah, trying to, yeah, I always grapple with that problem of how to introduce something genuinely new without also having to like make them take a course and how to use the new thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's something that we haven't revisited really since uh, since we launched Castro 2 initially. It still has yeah. pretty, pretty much the same tutorial as then. Still at the end of the tutorial, you end up on this discover screen, which is as good as it was the day it launched. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yep. Every bit of goodness um, is yes. still there. Yeah, it's all there. Um, so yeah, if you think of free users as beginning users or beginner users, or at least beginners with our app, I don't necessarily mean beginner in a in a more broad sense. There's definitely a bunch of issues there and things that we should do to like improve how the app how the app feels and how you how you learn about what's going on there. And then on the revenue generating side, I think, well, you, you touched on this from the perspective of free users, but the like the pitch, the offer isn't great. Like it's very complicated. It's a long list of small features that you get, um, which maybe you'll care about one of them, and then the whole thing is worth subscribing to. Like you really want to have the episode limit, say. Um, so somehow that works out with some other feature that you want, and then you figure that it's worth subscribing. But the only way you'll even know that is if you spend like two or three minutes reading that page and the bullet point list. And because we wanted that page to be relatively compact and like have the subscribe buttons be on the screen without scrolling, our descriptions are really short. And we currently don't have a way to like tap in and read more about what, what we're talking about. So there's a lot of uh, jargon in there that we're just expecting people to understand yeah and the fact that it's just a wall of text as well i mean like i mean i guess this is an issue that like we run up against time and time again where it's like okay yeah let's get version one out the door or version three in this case but i mean the first version of of subscription out the door and yeah we'll come back and improve it later and i mean that's i guess that's where we are now that we're like okay we we really need to start thinking about this because we had quite ambitious plans and we looked at apps that that we think do the like subscription prompt like in a more appealing way yeah there was that lake app the it's like a, an iphone coloring app it's probably on ipad too and it had a really beautiful uh subscribe flow yeah it's gorgeous like really nice animations um we wanted to do stuff like that but then didn't get around to it but do you think like is that the answer is like okay yeah just have these features that we have now but instead of it just being a wall of text like do some nice illustrations <laughs> and nice no, animations as, as and as, then all of a sudden everybody's subscribing or it's more as soon as i said just there yeah it's beautiful i sort of regretted saying that because the the important point is they have a pretty clear pitch where you get a few i think a few uh outlines that you can color in for free and then to unlock the whole batch of thousands of them and to unlock all these different artists who've drawn the outlines, then you subscribe. So it's a really clear offering. You know exactly what you're subscribing to. You've already had a chance to learn the painting tools and to like experiment with the app. No one is subscribing in that just like to support the creators of the app or anything. They there's a specific thing they're getting. 
So yeah, I think they have a very clear pitch and it's not a long list of 20 different things. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's one specific offering and they can do that because they're offering content, which is like the very traditional, obvious thing to subscribe to. Like Netflix is your subs- Netflix, you're subscribing to content where for us, we're more like Adobe, I guess, trying to make people subscribe to software. Even then, it's not a direct comparison because you just subscribe to get Photoshop and it's something that you already know what it is. Yeah, that's more the model where it's like, okay, yeah, use it free for one month or whatever the trial is on Photoshop. And then if you want to use it at all after that, then you pay. Yeah. Um, Which is definitely something that we discussed. We were like, okay, how far, like, where do we want to land on this spectrum between, okay, you basically can't do anything unless you pay and you can do pretty much everything, even like that there's like, like say for example advertising like that it's not so much that you pay like for a new feature it's that you pay to remove something that you don't want anymore and yeah i think we landed squarely somewhere in the middle kind of like an awkward middle there and then it's a question of okay if we if we feel like that this is an awkward middle which way do we go to get out like we don't really know the answer by the way this is like live like discussion like i mean this is just stuff that we've been talking about and trying to figure out for ourselves lately so um yeah it's we're not even talking about this just as a way to like slyly start like letting people know that we're moving in a particular direction we just i mean we don't know i mean we're trying to figure this stuff out yeah but that's i think that's a good perspective on us that it's where on that spectrum do we move if we're in this uncomfortable middle like do we just make more of the app subscription only so that it really is just like a free trial and then you can't really use the app afterwards or do we go the other way and have the subscription be a much lighter touch thing where it's just yeah where there's maybe we just pick one feature that we try to really pitch well and then everything else is free so that the free users get almost a perfect experience a big thing that's been missing from all of our discussions about these things for years is any real data about how people use the app uh, we haven't integrated any third-party analytics into, I don't think ever into any version of Castro, certainly not since Castro 2. And so we don't really know how people use the app beyond you know, who people we meet in real life or people who email us, which is not going to be representative in any way. So that's one thing that I really would like to start looking into adding soon is a way to start to measure some of the user behavior um, so that we can understand... Uh, which features we've made that actually land and work, where we lose people along the way. Like, do we just get them through the tutorial and then they land on that discover screen and then leave and never come back? Or, And as well to start to focus our feature prioritization so that if we decide to expand more on sideloading, for example, we can know that like, hey, like 15% of our users actually do use this. Like maybe that's a small number, but it's not like 1% or 0%. (laughs) So to start being informed by some of that data, I actually took a look at doing some of this, um, like building it ourselves so that we wouldn't have to use a third-party service. We have a server metrics system at the moment where that basically tracks like our disk usage and uh, how the web servers are performing and a bunch of stuff like that. And I wanted to see if we could include our app analytics in there too, because it has a really cool charting system uh, where we can build all these different graphs to track different things. Hmm. Like at the moment, I have tons of charts that help me track the how often podcast feeds refresh and how well all that stuff is working. So I thought it'd be cool if we could do that ourselves and have this, have the data come from the Castro app and go to our own servers. 
Um, so I spent about a day last week trying to build that. And the real difficulty was the thing we want to track, there's sort of two things. There's events, like when did something happen? Like, okay, a user started the app, a user landed on the Discover screen, and then a user subscribed to a subscribed to their first podcast, say. So those are all, that's three separate events. Um, but then there are also user properties where you want to say things like, oh, this user has subscribed to Castro Plus. And it was really hard to track those things in our in our metric system without building a load of intelligence into the client because you need it to be unique per user. And that required a lot of extra logic. So after a few days of trying to get that working in our own system, I stepped back a little bit and thought about, like, do we really need to build the competency of being an analytics company or do we just want to get some get some data so we can make our app better? And after that, I just started looking around at um, third-party analytics services. And I was specifically looking for one that wasn't just like a free Google or Twitter-based one where, you know, it's free for the developer, but the the way it's getting paid for is that the company who owns it is, gets to use that data for their own purposes. Hmm. Um, so I wanted to find one that was a paid one that had an actual privacy policy. Um, and I found Amplitude. Um, there's amplitude.com. They seem pretty good so far. So I'm experimenting with that just in a test light build at the moment. And we'll see if we'll see if that works out okay. Yeah, that'll be good to kind of start getting ideas of that. Like, I mean, well, one side of it that you touched on is like, yeah, which features are getting used or like, like say we've designed the app around triage and like this flow that is like a little bit specific, but also, I mean, has some flexibility in terms of like different people use it in slightly different ways, but it'd be good to like start getting a sense of like how, like if we want to improve certain features of the app, um, like the more, like if we can have an idea of like, okay, are people actually using auto queue? Um, are people just letting episodes like build up forever in their inbox or are they actually using the inbox as like the way that we've designed? And if they're not, like if inbox is just like for most users, it's just this thing that just keeps growing and growing and growing. Like is inbox even actually necessarily the right metaphor or are there better ways that we can improve our feature set to like to to realize the goals that we initially set out with because yeah we've had these goals and we came up with this system and then we can read reviews and we can hear like some stuff from individual users but like overall like is it actually working or, or are there things we need to improve there we've identified this problem that some people want to subscribe to a lot of podcasts but it's impossible to listen to all the episodes um, so if you if you only subscribe to five podcasts and listen to every episode of those five, then you miss out on other things, right? I do think we're onto something good there, but then our solution to that and how well it actually solves that problem, that's yeah, that's maybe where some data could help us understand can we solve that better for people? And yeah, we I've definitely seen users with with inboxes with three thousand things in them, and like okay, maybe that's what an inbox looks like for some people. <laughs> Um, even like an email one that they never archive stuff out of it. And and maybe that's fine because they just look at the top few things and don't worry about it. But yeah, I don't know. It would be good to understand what's working and what's not. Another way to tie it back to the, the free versus paid users angle as well is like, we kind of just, I mean, if we're going to try to start making improvements or make changes to either like to improve our conversion rate or to try and like, just make sure we're getting more free users in, users in, um, like whatever we decide, like we need good metrics to like figure out 
is this working? Like if we change something or if we try a certain campaign or if we do whatever, like we want to have good metrics of like, is has this actually worked? And like mostly so far, we've like relied on iTunes Connect analytics for this kind of stuff or App Store Connect analytics as it's called now. And I mean, there's some pretty significant shortfallings with, with that system. I would say to the point where I pretty much don't trust it at all. <laughs> Am I too cynical or? Okay, there are two sets of problems here. The one that can't just be fixed by them fixing bugs or making the website work faster is there's there's no way to track events. Like I can't, there's no way to say someone landed on the queue mm-hmm. or somebody played an episode. So that's just not even a feature they offer. Um, and then of course, there's no properties to say like, this is a user who's ever used Trim Silence. So there's no way to track any of that stuff with iTunes Connect Analytics at all. Um, so they'd have to add that for us to be able to do any of this stuff. But then, yeah, there's also a ton of other problems with this where, like, I also just don't really trust it because there are days or weeks where data just disappears. It's often more than 24 hours behind. One of the things about this Amplitude one while I was testing it is, like, you do something in the app and then you're able to, within about five, maybe 10 seconds sometimes, you can see that event appear in the website. Hmm. So you can actually test your tracking and know that it's know that it's doing what you think it's doing. Where like, even if iTunes Connect had this feature, I think they'd still have that day or t- like 24 to 48 hour delay. So you, I wouldn't even fully believe that it was definitely tracking what I thought because I wouldn't have been able to test it very well. And then the other thing is the website is just, I mean, this sounds like I'm, just whining about an everyday thing, but it's so slow and it logs you out all the time. Mm. Like I I come back to Amplitude and I'm still logged in a day later because it's just got a session that's long, which is good because it's my home computer. (laughs) Um, uh, Like no one else is using it. Where iTunes Connect, I go away for half an hour and then come back and it's logged me out and it's going to take 20 seconds to get back to where I was because you have to click through each page. Yeah, and then it it always takes like a few seconds to like load the blank page first of all and then another twice as long to load the actual content it's like (laughs) it's just like these are stupid small things but they add up to it being painfully slow and then the way that they handle the opt-out information so there's some information that you only get if the user has agreed to opt in to share data with developers which is fine i would be on board with that if they offered all these other features too but the way they show that data to us is they show us whatever numbers they gathered, and then they give us a rough percentage of how much of that is based on users who opted in. So you have to kind of mentally multiply these numbers by... So for us, the amount that opt in is usually around 30%, 30 32 So you have to mentally multiply all these numbers by three, and then other numbers aren't opt-in, like impressions on the App Store are just the actual full number. So... They don't try to reconcile those two to give you a consistent view. They could give you like an estimated, here's what 100% would be, so that you could compare the two without having to constantly think about this and multiply numbers in your head. But they don't do anything to account for that. So The other thing is, they just show you one figure for this opt-in percentage, and it's the percentage of people who installed the app in the last 30 days, I think, um, who have opted into this and who haven't. So that's like one blank number, but it's a number that's based on people who installed the app in the last 30 days, whereas lots of the other statistics are based on like usage of the app over particular days. So there's not necessarily any correlation there between like, if I see this 
because the number does change over time as well. But if now it's like 30%, but like a month ago, say it was 40% or whatever, it's not that they're telling you, okay, this number for this day of this number of sessions is based on like 30% of people who opted in. Um, Like yeah. the percentage just doesn't, it's not a percentage based on the same uh, data at all. I, I do try to do that mental correction by multiplying them out, but you're right. That's, it's actually totally wrong. Like, it could be that way more of our users have opted in over time um, or way fewer. And just that that recent 30 days amount is a different number, right? So, Yeah, so if we're trying to make decisions like this about the app and we don't actually have an accurate idea of how many people use the app every day and how many of them are already subscribed and how many aren't, I mean, we're operating in a in a vacuum there really in terms of like then being able to determine whether we're managing to improve things or not. I like how they've tried to build in the privacy stuff, but they haven't. It is, it's not a product that gives us the same the features we need yet. So I still I think they could make it all work, but yeah, it's definitely not enough for us to be able to understand how our users use the app and what features are working. Uh, hope I mean over time maybe they'll continue to develop it, and then we can drop any th- whichever third party one we do decide on. But for now, I definitely want to start understanding these things and stop having every feature decision be based on who last asked me for, like, how recently has this topic come up or, like, how do I personally feel about the feature? Like, the watch-based playback is one feature that there's been quite a lot of excitement around. And I'd really love to know even, like, what percentage of our users even have a watch connected Mm -hmm. Uh, never mind whether they even use our current app or not but like do they even have a watch because maybe that's not a big number and then within that how many have our how many use our app as it is now regularly you can get an idea of what percentage of users might benefit from a feature on the watch then now that's not to say that's the only way we'd ever decide things like i think no matter how much data we had i still really like that we have side loading but it's another it's another influence beyond just your own feelings about a feature yeah which i mean i think over time like i mean i'd say when we designed castro one i mean i think our only consideration was basically okay what like what do we want this thing to be and like only that and like i think over time as we've tried to like grow this thing and try to have more of a like philosophy behind it and stuff it's good to be able to start making decisions as you say, not ba- we're not going to make them solely based on this analytics stuff, but like, I guess the more different inputs that we have that can like help us like make informed decisions about what we should be focusing on and like what are the best things to, what's the best way to take the product. I mean, I think ultimately the product will be better for that, and the and the better decisions we'll be able to make. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned a few minutes ago about people with maybe thousands of things in their inbox, and that reminded me of a blog post that Brent Simmons wrote over the weekend about uh, he, he's designing an RS, a Mac-based RSS reader. And he's been writing a few posts where he just steps through each design decision and why he's making it. And they're, they're I really, as, as an app designer, I really enjoy the, the posts, not because I necessarily agree with every decision he makes along the way, but because each little step is just written down and then you can follow the logic really well and see where you would branch off with your own opinions about things. Uh, but he, he had a post about how his RSS reader app will, I guess, expire articles that appear in like an on-read view so that you don't have, you can't build up hundreds of thousands of articles. Um, and I think his solution was something like if an article is 30 days old, that he just removes it completely 
and there is some intelligence about how to do that well so that you don't uh, accidentally delete really infrequently posted blog posts but but that was the general idea and it it really got me thinking because there was one one point in particular uh let me just read it out this was his justification for why why an app should get rid of these things rather than building them up forever if an RSS reader sets the expectation that it creates a personal backup of the internet, then the developer will be doing features, bug fixes, and performance optimizations for this forever, to the detriment of the rest of the app and the majority of its users. That hit me because we've been there with OnRed, and we've been there with Castro. I remember <laughs> yeah. in OnRed, there was like a bug. There was an issue where it would basically try to keep every article, like sync almost every article that you had, and particularly with certain feed readers, I think Fever, people could end up with like hundreds of thousands of articles and there I, there was a limit i think on how many it would sink down but it was very high and that wasn't so bad like the app worked pretty well and was designed really well internally by jared to be able to handle this big number of articles but what did end up hitting it is that it would pre-download images that were in the articles so that the app could view them offline and there were just constant issues where the where on red was keeping like gigabytes of these old images around from like your 999,000th article, mm. which you were never realistically ever going to look at. But if you did and you wanted to look at on uh, offline, on Red had you covered. So yeah, those kinds of issues that they're not even things, it's not even a real feature that like, oh yeah, this is a backup of the entire internet, but you do end up drifting towards that unless you specifically set some boundaries. And for Castro, I was thinking it's maybe relevant for the inbox where people like, particularly if maybe you don't listen to that many podcasts, but are subscribed to a lot, uh, you could come back to the app and it could have like a few thousand in there. And what are you going to do with that? Like, are you going to be triaging your 700th episode ever? The only thing to do is look at the most recent ones, pick out a few and then archive all. So yeah, it's got me thinking. I don't really, again, don't really have an answer for what we do with this, but yeah, the point about how it's to the detriment of the rest of the app and the majority of its users, that that really hit me. Yeah. Another point was that CarPlay gets choked up if you have thousands of episodes, and I spent a week a while ago trying to make it that better, but someone in their car doesn't need access to 2,000 episodes, man. <laughs> um, Just give them give them the recent ones in their queue and the top of their inbox, and then that's going to be enough. So, and then problem solved. Yeah, I mean, solved. I guess, like, yeah, in your car or even ever on your phone. I mean, if you have 2,000 episodes in your inbox, what's the chance you're ever going to do anything with them? And I mean, there's different things that, that could be done about it. Like, yeah, there is, like, this similar thing about, like, archiving old episodes automatically, perhaps. Maybe there's clever ways to group things together. I mean, this links back to some to the other things we talked about earlier as well, like in terms of like us figuring out like what the solution to this is or like how much of a problem this is. Number one, it would be good to know how many people like is how many people is this really a problem for? Like, is this a huge thing or is it that like there's like 10 people out there with like way too many podcasts that this is a problem for like is the mm. app working as intended for most people not that that means we shouldn't fix it at all but anyhow i'm just thinking out loud that like it kind of does link back to there where i would like to get a sense of like how much of a problem is this for other people and then the other thing is in terms of the free versus paid thing again like because so one solution that we have like at least partly for this right now is that you can set episode limits on individual podcasts so you can be like hey only ever keep one episode of this podcast around or i think it's between one and five or the different options that you can set the default is to keep all of them 
But the thing is, like, if you want to set an episode limit, uh, you have to be a paid subscriber. So for all free users, basically, are going to keep everything forever. And then, yeah, paid users have the option to then, like, help them manage this in this way. But, like, is that the right balance? Like, if this is a big problem and, like, people are getting frustrated about their inboxes because there's way too many things in them and stuff like that, like, is that really a point where we should be drawing a line in the sand and saying like, oh, well, like if you want to fix that, you, sh- you should subscribe or is telling people you have to subscribe to fix that in the way that we have right now? Like, yeah, like is, is that just, yeah, at the very is, least, is that just pissing people off or or is that the equivalent of just like shutting their door in their face? Like, would it not be better maybe to just show them hey look this app is like we're like yeah we've thought of like all these different ways this app is amazing that like we're not like you've you can see for yourself and feel for yourself how it's what it's like when an app like takes care of some of these details for you and then okay and then that that's part of like how like then later on we pitch them on some some reason to subscribe and there's a bunch yeah, of features a lot of like that behind the door <laughs> where it's like okay are we like is this actually something that's ever going to convince somebody to subscribe or 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 are we just pissing people off to the point where they will never become subscribers well we're not even it's not even like we notice that you have a crazy inbox and we say hey you should subscribe because then you can fix this yeah, it's just yeah. like it's crazy and then it'll be eventually it'll just be broken because it'll be too slow to do certain things where like even if we did decide that this is more of a stick than a carrot that it's like look your inbox is a mess you have to pay us to fix it we'd at the very least have to tell them that we have a solution <laughs> which we're also not doing and yeah and and if we decide this is a thing that's like yeah okay we we're gonna like double down on like this is a thing that we think people should pay for obviously yeah our pitch needs to be way better because i don't think you could see that anywhere right now except once you landed on a subscription screen it would say per podcast settings and then you'd be like oh and then yeah if you went to a per podcast setting screen maybe you'd see that there's an episode limit there i don't know it's like all scattered all over the app and like yeah if you're like a detective you'll maybe you'll figure out exactly what we're trying to pitch to you here but uh otherwise yeah otherwise uh it's not working it's not happening i like this uh, data-driven approach like this too as a way to pick a specific problem and try to solve it rather than like we've identified these things before and it's just overwhelming and depressing because it makes you think the app is bad Mm. um and then you don't really have the motivation to do something about it because doing something about it feels like redesigning the entire app Mm. but i think if there's a specific like okay here's the problem the inbox is too big um, so it's not performing its triage function. What can we do about that? Then that's a much better, that's a solvable problem. That's not just like, how do I fix the problem of I feel bad about my app? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm excited about having some of that data. Like as I integrated it, I started thinking, oh yeah, and I'll track this feature and this and like page views and this and this and this. And then I started stepping back and thinking, I can put in tracking for all those features and then we might look at it one day or we might never look at it. But what would be way better would be to make a list of specific questions like, can we improve how triage works? And then ask questions of the data specifically for that, rather than just like a scattershot of every idea we can think of to track. So I, I really want to try to yeah keep it focused on questions that we can actually answer with it. Yeah, I definitely made that mistake in apps in the past. I think the first app I ever released, uh, my artists, this music app and... I integrated some analytics package in it at some point and just like blasted every single thing that I could think of at the server. And 
and then I would log in and like, I wouldn't even know what to do because I had no questions in mind. I was just like, oh, it'll be cool to know this. It'll be cool to no, I should send this. I should send this. And then you log in and it's like, okay, there's a big number. There's a smaller number. I've no idea what to do with this information. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's not do that. When you do have a specific question in mind too, it helps you actually track the part you mean instead of just what you think you might mean in future. Like you can really know if it, if you'll be able to answer the question or not. Initially, when I was just testing the amplitude one, I was sending up like the event was called impression. And then there was a property on that of the screen name. And then as I used the UI, I saw that that was just like, oh, you've got a hundred impressions, which doesn't tell you anything. Hmm. And is like, it was kind of a pain to drill down into the properties to figure out what screens it was. So because I was able to see that and I knew what I was trying to answer, like I was trying to get an idea of uh, how often people end up on different screens. I was able to say like, okay, I should just call the event like, cue impression or player impression and yeah even things like that where i had a specific i had a question i was trying to answer then i was able to develop it in a way that i knew would actually answer it rather than just like send data to a server somewhere so that future project can figure out something with it yeah and i think i think you touched on it as well but like yeah, the questions that we decide we want to answer we should be sure as well that they're like that they're questions that are of value to answer and not just questions that like we want to answer just because it's like we're curious for the sake of knowing something yeah because there's definitely stuff where i'm curious like i'm curious how many people use the sleep timer but like what would i do with that information like we're not going to get rid of the sleep timer it's definitely a useful thing and like we use it ourselves um i guess it would be maybe useful if we were redesigning the player which you know it's been a few months so maybe it's time to <laughs> yeah, do that again yeah, let's do that again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's, there's things i'd be just randomly curious about that don't necessarily answer any real important questions and I'm going to try to resist just collecting that data. So yeah, the iOS 12 launch happened. I know this really shows how late our podcast is that it's been yeah, wow. <laughs> it's almost a month afterwards. So relevant. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got the series shortcuts in and what else was in it? Well, because iOS 12 was this big performance release, there weren't a huge amount of new things for iOS developers to jump on. And as well, it made me think, we should also do a performance release. So I, I went through and spent a bunch of time reducing memory usage in a bunch of places in the app. Uh, so it's I, I don't know if this will if most people will perceive a huge improvement, but certainly if you have a lot of podcasts and the app is trying to reload artwork or things like that, there are a lot of edge cases where the memory usage could just spiral. Like we had a bug where if it had to download a lot of different podcast artwork at once, it was trying to do them all in parallel and then process them in parallel as well, uh, which was just basically killing the app. You'd start it up and then it would be really slow for a long time. And then things around when you're refreshing the app and getting a lot of new events, like tons of new episodes have come out or lots of things have changed. Uh, that's all a lot faster. So hopefully there'll just be fewer times when the app gets slow for people, which seemed like an honest way to implement ios 12 in a way like to do the same thing that apple is doing but also any any improvement in caster performance might also just be attributed to ios 12 being better so maybe it wasn't that smart to do it then <laughs> uh well i mean we know we know that it we we have the stats locally to show that it yeah. was improved so um i mean because i mean one thing that we talked about on the podcast like in the run-up or beforehand as we were planning out was like 
we don't need to go all the way back into it, but basically about how that we didn't want to like just jump on with like everything that Apple had like announced for iOS 12 that like we wanted to be a little bit more deliberate about some of the things that we chose to focus on and that then once it was released and once we had like some real world feedback and about which features were really catching on and I don't know I guess to just not set our roadmap for that update to just match exactly what Apple had announced at WWDC but to wait a little while and so now that it's been out for a bit I mean there are some areas that we're going back and 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 looking at now and stuff that we're adding in that was we're not in that initial release but a few more things so you've been working on some stuff for the with the for the volume on the watch yeah that's the biggest thing missing from our watch app is a way to change the volume so um it need because the volume control is kind of um like we don't we don't just get an api to change the volume that we can that our app can talk to it's just like you drop in a volume control view and then you don't mess with it uh, so I was kind of annoyed because I wanted what I really wanted to do was have it so when you move the digital crown, then the volume indicator appears, and then you could change the volume. And otherwise, we wouldn't be using up like a third of the screen space to show this thing. But because it is completely self-contained, you have to have it on screen for the watch to give it any focus. So like the digital crown won't control it if you don't have it visible on the screen. Um, I came up with a trick where I could hide it at a certain point, and then the digital crown would still change the volume without the UI showing at all. And I thought that was kind of cool, and I I ran with it for a while, but then I think it's just not discoverable enough. Like people wouldn't realize you could do it, and also it is kind of nice to to look at it and see what the current level is. So I wasn't able to figure out a way that I could make it appear and disappear as you moved. That's what I really wanted, but I did figure out a way to make it change while being invisible. But then I just decided. That was kind of asking for trouble. Like Apple obviously wants it to be on the screen if that's what it's doing. And I didn't want to deal with getting rejected or having Apple break it in future. So I redesigned the watch app a little bit so that the volume control could fit there. And then it's just a paged view over to, I'm assuming anyone who cares about this knows the current app. But previously we had a button where you press up next and then it would pop on a list of the next 20 items in your queue or 50, I can't remember. And now it's just a page view where you can swipe over to the to the up next list. So it's good enough. There's a few. It doesn't quite look as good as I want it to look just yet, but otherwise it's functionally there. So yeah, so that'll be out. Well, we'll submit that in the next release. I'm not going to say when it'll be out. <laughs> yeah, and that'll be it'll be a nice thing to have. But yeah, some of the design stuff in there was fun. I I set the podcast title to be you know the title of like at the top left of the screen there's like people usually put the app name there it's like the view controller title and then the time is on the right mm-hmm. i put the podcast name there and i kind of like it but i'm not sure if it's too weird hmm. it, the only problem with it is that it's when you open the app first it's using the full width of the screen then it fades out so it can show the time again but if you did just want the time immediately it would be kind of annoying to wait like two seconds for it to fade but i kind of like it um, and it leaves a lot more space for the title, which was quite truncated before. So okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but it'll be it'll be fun to play with that and and see. Yeah, the place it looks bad now. Not that this matters that much. Is very short titles just look like the titles floating in the middle of nowhere, so it doesn't feel aligned to anything. But anyway, yeah, we can talk about that more online. But it's pretty much done, and happy enough with this. The watch watch development, aside from the like three hours it takes to copy each build onto your watch and run it for real 
like the UI stuff is kind of nice because there's it is quite simple and like you don't really do any UI in code. So like it's just interface builder and there's not that much to it. So it's kind of nice how quickly you can get like I thought adding that tabs or sorry the paged view thing would be more of an ordeal, but it's it was really easy. It's just a segue. Cool. And then the one other thing that we've just been kind of adding to since then is like we launched with like a certain amount of series shortcuts, which were a few different bits and pieces that we thought of in advance. Yeah, things like playing podcasts. I mean, that seemed like a pretty obvious one that people were going to want. Uh, starring the current episode, um, setting a sleep timer. So there was like the three things that we launched with. And since then, uh, I guess I kind of figured like, okay, let's get it out there with those things. And like, let's see what kind of features other people are requesting. So we've had a couple of good suggestions from people. So we're going to kind of add in some stuff about ar- archiving the current episode um, and about switching to night mode, which I think will be a good one that can be used like in the shortcuts app, like as part of a workflow. Uh, or, well, I guess it's not called a workflow anymore, but <laughs> excuse me on that one, because you could chain things together and like, like have a, like a bedtime shortcut essentially that's gonna like i don't know turn off the lights in your house uh, set a sleep timer in castro and then also like set the thing to night mode just to make sure if you do open it in the middle of the night that it's going to be not going to blind you yeah it's nice to think about those where like if you had if you had just added a night mode toggle to it i would have been imagining someone setting up a serial intent for like set castro to dark mode and that seeming kind of like come on why would you do that but when you think about some of these things as automation that happen to like, they have 20 apps that all turn to night mode or turn off night mode, then it starts to make more sense. So yeah, it's kind of interesting to think about Siri shortcuts in that way. Yeah, totally. And I think over time we'll, I mean, we'll see as we use the app ourselves and as other people start requesting things. I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see like where this stuff goes with iOS 12. Yeah, for us, I guess I'm glad that we got our foot in the door with it, that we like we have the infrastructure there for stuff now. I mean, it's going to be easy enough for me to add like a couple more shortcuts like that. And yeah, we'll see how it goes over time. Cool. Well, I think we've managed to record a podcast. We did record a podcast. <laughs> um, let's try to let's try to do this again in two weeks. Yeah, what will we talk about next time? I mean, that's so. Let's just one thing that we. I mean, we said at the start that we would like come back to this meta topic, but I mean, I guess one thing that I feel like. It just, it feels like it's gotten like a bit limiting that like we just are always talking about Castro all the time on the podcast. I mean, anybody who's listening and got to this point, maybe it's okay. Maybe you're totally okay with us talking about Castro all the time. But like, I feel like, like when we started the podcast, you know, like in some of those early episodes, like we had interviews, we talked about like more general, broader design topics about side projects about i don't know it just felt like it was more i don't philosophical is the wrong word but like broader at least and that it wasn't always okay what are we doing in castro this week and i wonder is like should we like be trying to like think of like topics like that or trying to focus on some broader stuff and like maybe even like having a list of things that we want to touch on in future episodes so that it's not like we don't fall back into like situations where it's like okay i don't know what to talk about about castro this week because we're working on x y and z and none of that stuff we don't want any of that stuff to be public yet so we don't know what to talk about i don't really have answers for this but i guess it's like it is something that we're going to have to think of if we want to try and get back on a more regular schedule which we had there briefly for glorious three episodes in a row (laughs) (laughs) originally we did some interviews and stuff and that was a good way to do it but they take a lot of time to plan and edit as well and but yeah that's that's one way we could go i mean at least at least jim will help us with the editing this time so 
if we do if we do do more interviews going forward i mean yeah the planning and maybe the the scheduling and stuff might get a bit more difficult but um at least we would have wouldn't have to worry about the our own time for the editing yeah when we do interviews i feel like we have to be much more prepared as well like that we have to know what we're going to talk about we can't just wing it and stop halfway and start again like we have maybe done before yes this isn't definitely the third or fourth take of this podcast today (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah there were times where we did things like bug of the week or like there were bugs we'd experienced while working on castro but it was the overall yeah it wasn't necessarily just about uh castro like how do we get more users to use castro like the business stuff which i I do feel wary about going too far into that. Like, Mm. like I don't think that many people care how many users there are of Castro. Yeah. Um, Maybe some iOS developers who are in a similar position and are also trying to market their apps and figure out how to do this stuff. But I I don't know if that's our general audience. Maybe we need analytics on our audience, Ashin. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We used to do, like, listener questions and stuff like that as well. People send in their voice, like, voice recordings of their questions and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we do need to try and come up with like some segments or some kind of structure for it that like, I don't know, just kind of helps it not feel like such a daunting thing to be like, oh yeah, podcast time. Yeah, maybe I'm just getting like going way too much, getting way too worried about it right now just because we did go through that bit, like, like the last two months and like maybe even just the routine of like getting an episode out every two weeks. If we can properly get back into that flow, maybe it just stops seeing so daunting almost naturally after a while yeah well let's let's uh definitely do one in two weeks anyway let's do that. that now so that'll yeah. be like halloween-ish spooky episode <laughs> yeah okay next episode in two weeks we promise <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we're never supposed to promise things but we did it so it's gonna happen <laughs> okay okay thanks guys for listening thanks for getting to the end and um yeah we'll be back in two weeks thank you bye